that concept of like finding that place where you're in, in flow, right? And when you, when the hours disappear and they, you know, just time is flying and you don't know what happened, but you're just so engrossed and so engaged and so inspired. Like when you have those moments, you're doing the right thing. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways. I'm your host, Rob Goodman, and you're listening to the podcast all about the unexpected paths to a creative career. I am so excited that we've got my friend and one of my mentors, Shanna Tellerman, on the show today. Shanna is founder and CEO of Modzi, which is a startup that lets you reimagine your home with new furniture and new designs using 3D imagery and augmented reality, and it's really an incredible startup and, and company and revolution in home design that she's starting. So I'm so excited to talk to her. And we talked to Shanna about some of her earliest entrepreneurial endeavors, her time at Carnegie Mellon studying computer graphics and virtual reality, what it was like for her to start her first company, which eventually sold to Autodesk, but all the trials and tribulations she went through there, and also the real deal of what it's like to actually run a startup, the day-to-day struggles and challenges, of course the high points too, but really an honest look at what it's like to be running a company today. And we even talk about Shanna's time as a VC, which she did before starting Modzi. Lots of great insights. I'm so excited for you guys to hear the conversation. Before we get started, I want to tell you about our sponsor, General Assembly. They're an incredible continuing ed organization with campuses all across the country and even the world where you can take courses in a number of disciplines from data science to digital marketing, learning how to be a UX researcher and designer, and you can really transform your career. And that's why I'm so excited to be working with General Assembly. And if you use the offer code MAKINGWAYS at checkout, you'll get 15% off any workshop or class. So check them out. Okay, let's start the show. Shanna, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So tell me a little bit about what you're up to with Modzi. Well, we're a little over two years in, um, which is an exciting time for the company because it means our product is live. We actually have customers. We're growing. We're building the team. Um, and the next big phase for us is really uh, expansion. So how do we make a better product, a bigger product, address more people, um, serve more needs? And for, for listeners who may not know just the basics of what it is yet, yeah, tell yeah. me about what it is. Yeah, so... Um, so the idea for Modzi popped up for me when I went through designing my own home with my husband. So we went into our house and I thought it's going to be so fun to design a room. And somewhere midway through, I realized designing a room is actually a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> and each phase gets complicated and more frustrating oftentimes. So we built this Pinterest board and I kind of finished the Pinterest board, looked at my room, looked at my Pinterest board and I was like, Still have no idea what to do. Because <laughs> it's just there on the screen. You're like, I like how this web page now looks, yeah. but how does this apply to my world? Exactly. No scale, no idea. Um, and I just had this idea, like, what if you could shop from, like, a catalog of your room? Like, yeah, personalized for your space. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so how did you get from that idea to building out the company? You're the founder and the CEO. You're running the company. Yep. Like, how... How much time went by before you were like, you know, validating this idea and then saying, okay, I want to start a company around this? 
Yeah, I thought about it for almost a year. Um, and some point I was thinking of this like every night, every day, and I was like, I am, I'm not going to be able to wake up every day if I don't ca- try to make this idea come to life. Is that usually a good <laughs> cue for you as an entrepreneur and, and someone who builds things? Like if you can't shake it and it just starts to stick and obviously if people are saying, yeah, yeah, that sounds interesting, does it start to just be like, yeah, I have to do this? Yeah, totally. For me, it, it was one of those things that just felt like it's inevitable that at some point we're going to be able to visualize how things look in a space before we buy And I felt like I saw people trying to address things around it, but nobody was going after the core problem of like actually showing you, actually virtually letting you try on furniture in your space in a way that's designed the way a consumer actually shops. And so I saw things that were very 3D, very techy. I saw things that were very Pinterest boardy, inspiration, but nothing that really kind of married this idea of like super simple for the customer, but giving you that that visualization that gives you the visual confidence to purchase. And so the more that I thought about it, the more I unpacked it, I was like, all the trends point towards this coming to life at some point. And since I can't find anybody who's doing it, it's driving me crazy as a consumer. Like this should happen in the world. And you are a business person, you're a creative minded person, but you also have hardcore engineering and technical chops. Where did this passion for 3D come from? How did it emerge for you? Yeah, so my... My first experience was actually at Carnegie Mellon. I went to this um, course called Building Virtual Worlds. They had a, um, a big end of the year show and all these students who had worked in this course all semester long showed off virtual worlds on stage and did this kind of mini presentation slash demo of the experiences that they'd built. And there were like, there were literally hundreds of people who would come to this show. And I saw this when I was a, a sophomore in college and I was a art major that loved science and tech that could never figure out where the two came together. And I saw this show and I was like, I have to do that. That is like, that looks like the most fun, the coolest thing. Um, So I took that course a year later and before I knew it, uh, I was applying to the graduate program and I found myself in this like blended world of art and technology, especially 3D, virtual worlds. And so what were your classes like in in school and, and working up to your degree? Um, also so fun because they were all project-based. They were all um, cross-functional, collaborative, and at the end of the day, we were judged on the experience we created and actually the uh, ability for a guest user, somebody we would invite in to come and run through the thing that we've created and either completely fail, (laughs) which happened a lot, (laughs) or successfully make it through. And that was how we were judged, just like the real world, really. Was building stuff always in your DNA? Like when you were a little kid, did you start your own businesses? When you were in high school, were you championing new projects and new causes and and all of that? Like, where do you think all that kind of came from for you? Yeah, I mean, I've always loved creating, um, especially art. Like my parents encouraged me from a very young age. It's hard to know how much it was them versus me. They probably saw me interested and, and continued to encourage it. Um, but yeah, I was painting and drawing and just creating. I loved making things. Um, and 
I did a little bit on the business entrepreneurial side, but that wasn't really the core for me. It was really the creative piece of it. I um, was one of those kids who had a lemonade stand. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It was, you, how did uh, it do? Actually, very well, because uh, we were two blocks away from the Pimlico race course. Okay. So the Preakness would run once a year, and we were one of the very first kids on the block to say, hey, we should set up a lemonade and brownie stand for all these people because there's like hundreds of thousands of people coming by our house. And so, yeah, we would all make like a ton of money. <laughs> so even back when you were a kid, you were identifying market opportunities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. But, uh, you know, that wasn't certainly wasn't the core. That was my one like one off example like that. <laughs> right. Right. Talk to me a little bit about gaming, because I know after Carnegie Mellon, you founded a gaming company, which later was acquired by Autodesk. And so do you love gaming? Is that kind of core to who you are? Or was it more about gaming was a good platform to explore 3D and and all of this? How does that fit in for you? Yeah, definitely it was a great platform for me. So the the graduate program, Building Virtual Worlds and Entertainment Technology was actually the name of the graduate program. Um, A lot of it focused on the creation of these... uh, you know, sort of 3D entertainment experiences. Those would be games or they could be interactive like museum experiences, kiosks. So most of them were focused towards pure entertainment, some towards this kind of blend of education and entertainment. But that was the most effective use of the kind of um, skill sets that we were gaining during the the program. And, you know, sort of in, in many ways, I was led down that path because I loved working on these super collaborative, beautiful, graphical kinds of experiences. And then I was graduating and it was clear I would need like a job. (laughs) So there were only a few industries where you could apply those skills. Uh, I fell into starting my first company, but it's also natural that if I was going to use those skills for a company, that it would end up being kind of in the gaming sector or something very, very close to. What was the experience like of starting your first company and then having it acquired? That kind of sounds like a a dream. Uh, so what happened there? And then you spent some time at Autodesk. Walk me through that. Yeah, it was um, definitely not a dream. <laughs> <laughs> it was really hard. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I left graduate school. I had like no money in the bank, <laughs> wow. which is a hard time to start a company. Yes. Um, we got $10,000 loan from one of my professors that <laughs> made it through like several months of the company's first few months of life. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it was really tough. I mean, I knew nothing about starting a business. Uh, I knew very little about anything in the working world. I had never worked really. So setting up a team, managing a team, um, understanding business fundamentals, everything I had to learn from the very, very beginning with nobody else to go to. Um, and we were in Pittsburgh, we were out of Silicon Valley. So my understanding of just even how a startup works was limited. So all of those lessons were learned probably the hardest way, the longest way. <laughs> and it was a five-year run. Like I ran the company. We only raised a total of $3 million, a little over $3 million, uh, which lasted us five years. And if you do the math on that, that means almost nobody got paid. Wow. <laughs> uh, we got paid, but very little. Yeah. And uh, we were almost always out of cash the whole time. Um, we did end up like kind of finding our way into something that was really interesting, which was um, at that point, hosted environments, which became called cloud. And we put 3D technology and especially a few workflows into this hosted environment very early. 
And that turned out to be a very valuable set of skills and tools and other experiences that we had gained uh, a level of expertise in that nobody else had. And that was how the Autodesk acquisition happened. So it was very by chance, very lucky. Are you looking to make a change in your career? Are you looking to maybe just try something new, something that's been itching you, a skill that you've wanted to cultivate? Well, you guys should check out General Assembly. General Assembly is a continuing ed organization. They've got campuses all across the country, all across the globe, and you can take classes in design, in learning how to code, in data science, in digital marketing, so much there. And they're a great group of people. They even give you help when you're looking to get a new job and move into a new career. They help you transition and meet the people you need to meet in order to get that job. So check out General Assembly at ga.co. If you want to take a class or a workshop there, we've got a special offer for Making Ways listeners. If you plug in the code MAKINGWAYS at checkout, you'll get 15% off any workshop or class. So check out GA.co and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the show. So how long did you stay at Autodesk? And then you eventually went on to become a venture capitalist at Google. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear about how that happened and what your experience was like on the other side of the the paycheck. Yeah, it was a great move for me. Um, I had been planning to leave Autodesk and just start my next company. And... I had I even told them that. So I called them and said, hey, I loved it here, but I want to go start another company. <laughs> and it was like January 2nd. They were like, you couldn't have waited like four days till we all came back to the office. <laughs> but um, Like the new year hit. And you were like, I'm going to go get them. Like, I, I, yeah. <laughs> totally. So uh, yeah, I'm like was very naive in lots of ways. But but I, I didn't have a plan. I just knew I wanted to try something again. So started ramping down my time at Autodesk. I started spending more time thinking of ideas and um, got a little bit excited about one or two, but hadn't really landed on the thing. And then Google Ventures reached out during that very perfect moment. So for me, it was really just this moment where I wasn't quite sure what I was starting. And then this attractive opportunity to view the whole world from the like flip around side of the table was, you know, was presented. And I, I just felt like this could be an invaluable experience for my next company to know how the whole game works from the other side that feels like a black box. And was it, what, what did you learn? What were your experiences like during that time? And maybe the biggest surprises you had about like, oh wow, this is how the other side is. Yeah. I, I learned a lot. I mean, um, I'll think of a couple of them. So number one, I feel like I gained a new appreciation for just how many companies there are, the stages of companies, and really what those companies that are breakout successes look like and feel like, and then what are kind of mediocre companies, and then which ones are the ones that are just not going to get there. Um, You never quite get a full handle on that, but seeing a spectrum of companies at those different stages, one, it's, it's just a reminder that it's a really hard business, and there's a lot of people putting in their whole life and their whole effort and they may be in not the best category, but they're still great people and they're working really hard and you know, you're gonna encounter them every day if you're an investor. Um, so that was, that was just like a big, you know, it was, it was harder than I thought it was to, to uh, interact with people like that all day long and then have to tell them no. And so how long were you at, at Google before you decided to kind of move forward and start Modsy? 
Yeah, I was there for two years. Um, so the other big thing I learned was just about partner dynamics, how important the partner dynamics are behind the scenes, which actually is a big relief as a entrepreneur. So another, another big piece of this whole puzzle is that you're actually only half of the equation of getting a deal done. And so you could be doing an awesome job. You could be in there pitching. You could have a great business and you are going to be super successful and you go pitch somebody and they think you're great, but they bring it into their partners. And for one reason or another, it doesn't go forward. And like that at least just was like a great reminder that you, you shouldn't take each of those rejections potentially very personally. So that was, that was another big part for me. How many people are with Modzi today and where did you guys start? You know, one, two, three people. Yeah, we're just about 40 people, which wow. is, blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit scary. So great. It's uh, very expensive. <laughs> um, we're about 40 people. We started um, just myself and I, I had a co-founder when I started. So there were two of us. Um, within a few months, we had one other person join us and by so we started in the, in February of 2015 by that um August September we were only five people so this time two years ago five people and when it came time to start looking for investors how, did you put on your your VC hat yourself and get to kind of have a, a better path working with investors because of your experience? Yeah, definitely. Um, even before I started it, so I applied, this was kind of my last big lesson. It was the final aha as I was there was there's three things that I found myself looking for in entrepreneurs at the end. The first was the most obvious, just like, is this a big market? Like, are they going after something that is actually a big enough industry to make it worthwhile from a venture perspective, which usually means you're going to get to the point of hundreds of millions in revenue, right? Potential to become a billion dollar business. Um, not every industry is built like that. There's a lot of niche plays that just aren't that big. So that was the first one, fundamental. The second one generally was, does this person actually know and care about this problem? personally? Do they, have they experienced it? Do they have a unique passion for that problem? Um, the people who really just like, they care about that problem in the, in the world, they're going to have insights into the problem. And they're also going to wake up on the days that it's the hardest to wake up. And you're like, everything is broken. <laughs> they're going to wake up and they're, they're still going to go after it. Um, it's easy to give up if you don't care that much. And then the last one was really um, a unique perspective on what's going on in that industry. So people who had depth of background, like they'd had, uh, they'd worked in the industry for years, or um, they just had had spent time, maybe even in school, researching an element of the space that gave them a level of depth and an ability to predict where things were converging that the outsider just walking in wouldn't have that same unique perspective. So that was what I was applying to external people. And then I found myself applying that to myself uh, this, the September before I ended up starting Modzi. And that was kind of my final aha, which was like, oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> right. You had that personal experience. This has been a pain point that you really want to solve. And you want to find joy in your home space, not be stressed out by it. Mm -hmm. And you may be better positioned than anyone else in the world to mm -hmm. approach 3D spaces and understand augmented reality and and also the creative side of it as well so you start to think about that and say i think this is going to be a, a match exactly so tell me about those 
days. You just said that, you know, there are some days where it's going to be really hard to, you know, get out of bed and, and get after it. And you need somebody who has very passionate and really cares about the subject. Can you tell me a little bit of the real kind of raw deal of being a founder and a CEO and what maybe an example of a really, really challenging time was or just those moments where it's really hard to to be running a startup? I mean, all the time. <laughs> to be honest, it's it's just constant paranoia for me, which is the moment I feel like we've cracked a problem, that problem is like, check off my list and the new problem shows up. Um, and, you know, there are definitely harder moments than others. So I've found at the beginning of each of our, what I'll call like a cycle, is usually the hardest point for me. So it started with recruiting, like hiring the team. There's a moment when you've spent, call it four to six weeks, and you feel like I should have figured it out by now, but you still haven't, that you're starting to wonder like, am I ever gonna figure this out? And it literally, at the beginning, finding engineers and trying to hire the right people to do the thing that I had envisioned, even with my background and my experience and my like network of people who had 3D, this is a great working environment and most people are like, hey, I have a great job. <laughs> like, I'm not leaving. Um, even with funding, like I was like, I will pay you. Right. <laughs> um, so recruiting was super hard. It took, it took us six months to hire our first engineer. And I thought that four months in, I was like, I'm, this is toast. Like it's not going to work because I can't even hire somebody. <laughs> and that continued through everything. So product was the next thing. Uh, the next one was operations. Um, for us, it's what we call operations is sort of a digital pipeline, but it touches real people along the way. And what we do is constantly tool and automate the pieces that people touch. But um, the only way to do it is to make this really complex pipeline, break everything out, and then start to create tools around it. But that means we have to manage this like very complex pipeline and daily because we have people, we have customers coming in daily. So last summer, I went on my honeymoon and. Uh, Unfortunately, we were like in meltdown mode around this whole pipeline because it was four months in and it was that same time period where I thought it should be working. It totally wasn't working. <laughs> and, you know, we got lots of great nights, like having a wonderful time on the honeymoon. But I also remember many hikes where I was like feeling so frustrated by this like operational pipeline and feeling like oh, this company's just never going to work. Um, and then two months later, we solved it. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the people side of it? Because as CEO, you're also leading the company and the vision and the mission and getting people pumped and managing all of that. You know, we talked about kind of the product challenges. What have you been learning on the management and leadership side? Yeah, that's been a really amazing journey for me personally through this company. I think I had up until now, actually underappreciated how important um, creating the right culture can be. And I thought I was because I came in with this idea of like art meets science and a very diverse team and a you know team of people that are very nice to each other. And so in some ways we have this like awesome culture that I thought that's what culture is about. But there was another part of it that is really um, surfacing now that I'm uh, that I'm learning a lot about and that we're going through kind of a company growing pains around, which is just really understanding how do you help the people there get what they need out of the company. And that is a 
it's a really different approach, I think, to building a team and to building a company because my mind had been so much about what do I need these people to do for the company, but what should the company really be doing for them? We've talked about some challenging times. I want to bring up a, an exciting thing. I saw that you all have this amazing partnership with Cyrus versus Cyrus, which is a new Bravo show. And I watched an episode. It was awesome. And they're actually using Modsy in spaces to make, you know, decoration and furnishing recommendations to to their clients on the shows. So how did that come about? That seems like such a score for an early stage startup. Yeah, we really lucked out. Um, there was just a really smart woman uh, on the NBC side who reached out and saw a unique opportunity and decided, like, let's let's see if there's something that we can plug in from the Modsy side into uh, specifically Bravo, but looking kind of across the NBC portfolio. Um, and they just had this new home design show that was coming to life. <laughs> and the timing couldn't have been better. It was an opportunity for us to really integrate from the beginning. And it, like, we did it last September. So watching it come to life has been really, really thrilling for everybody. How about great mentors in your career and how you maybe like to mentor other people? Yeah, I've, I've been lucky that I've had a few great mentors. Probably the most impactful mentor was my professor at Carnegie Mellon uh, in that course, Building Virtual Worlds, who's actually a fairly well-known now professor. His name's Randy Pausch, and he wrote a book called The Last Lecture. Um, so he's passed away. Um, became very famous for that piece of his life. But before he was famous, he was this star in uh, essentially a few areas. One was virtual reality. The other one was uh, in creating a, a computer program to help encourage middle school girls to learn how to code. Um, and he was just a phenomenal professor. And he was phenomenal because he set the bar so high and he pushed us so hard to achieve. And I think that's like, you know, I don't know if it was so much the advice that he gave me, but it was the lesson that he taught me through the course of that semester that every single one of the lessons was basically created in such a way that we would go through the project and most likely hit a roadblock or fail in some way. And each time you had to really persevere to get through it. But even if you didn't get through it, you at the end of that understood that problem better because of your failure and were unlikely to fail again. So they sort of each lesson built on the next lesson and you didn't have to worry so much about how well you did in that particular project, but in the next project, you better have nailed that skill. And so we leveled up so fast, faster than I've ever leveled up in my whole life, um, just by being pushed to move quickly, make mistakes, learn the lesson, don't repeat the same lesson, but fail again. And I have brought very much that same concept into Modsy. That's one of the things that I'm really proud of in our team and I repeat to my team all the time is, is just this idea that we're, we're never going to get it right. It's impossible to get it right. And in fact, we'll learn more by getting it wrong. But once we know it, now we can use that to our advantage and move forward. And so our cycles should just be push hard, get something out there, fail at it, iterate, and then hopefully get that piece either right or more directionally right and keep going from there. 
And I know from personal experience that you also make time to mentor other people. Yeah. We met when I was at Google and I was interested in venture and trying to figure out my next thing. And you were so giving in your time and your thoughts and your feedback. I'm so grateful for that. Thanks, Shanna. Um, how do you make time to mentor other people or just get coffee and have conversations? And is that important to you to try to, you know, give back to other people who are on their paths as well? A hundred percent that I believe in that so much. And it's the only way that I've gotten to where I am in my own career. So I, I feel like when I first came out to Silicon Valley, there were so many people who were willing to have coffee with me. They were willing to meet me. They were willing to take me under their wing. And I, at that point, had nothing, like no experience, nothing to give them. They just put out into the world giving back to me. And they knew that at some point that may or may not pay off, but that was part of the way things worked. And that just really stuck with me. So I, I feel it's like 100% my duty to meet with people and especially like young entrepreneurs starting companies, help guide them along the way. It is really hard from a time perspective <laughs> when you're running your own business. So it was easier when I was in venture. I spent a lot of my time meeting with people, um, both people that we were going to potentially invest in, but also spending a good portion meeting with people that I just thought I could help in some way or um, be a sound, like a listening sounding board for them. Um, now I have to limit it quite a bit because my time is just limited, uh, but I still try to do it at least once or twice a month. Well, since there are people listening out there, we can get your message out at scale a bit. What kind of advice do you feel you can offer founders that's you know a bit unique from your experience? I think that there's a few things I usually bring. One is that it's so easy to get really down and really down on yourself and your business and where you're headed in your life and you get so kind of, you know, tunnel focused. <laughs> um, so one thing is, is just like broadening the perspective that like it's going to work out and you, you might hit rock bottom, but you're going to come back out of rock bottom and rock bottom probably in the scheme of the world is not even that bad. Um, Cause I feel like I went through that myself, like my first company several times and I thought it was everything. And then you get past the company and you move on with your life and you realize Actually, it taught me so much. It was such a great experience, even if I really did hit the rock bottom several times. So that positivity, I think, is, is something people oftentimes come to me just to like feel a little bit better. <laughs> and if you could put yourself back in your shoes and in your, yourself, is today in line with where you thought you might go at that time? What do you think <laughs> no. your college self would be... Uh, would be seeing? Uh, I, I would be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the good news for me still is that I just have never had a clear vision in college too. I, I went to art school, but not because I wanted to go into the art field. So I had this sort of blank canvas of my life that was like, I don't know where it's going. I don't know what I'm going to do. That's kind of scary sometimes, but, uh, but I also can't like paint a picture of this is who I should be and this is what I should become. And I feel the exact same way right now. Like there's no, there's no end game for me professionally at the moment. I mean, I want to see Modsy be a massive success, but it's not for me to get to something. Um, that's just like, it's not how I live my life. So in college, you never would have been able to predict because you, you didn't really have a game plan per se. You want to just follow your passions and follow 
where where things went. Yeah, absolutely. That's probably another piece of advice that I don't know even who gave it to me or maybe I read it, but that concept of like finding that place where you're in in flow, right? And when you when the hours disappear and they, you know, just time is flying and you don't know what happened, but you're just so engrossed and so engaged and so inspired, like when you have those moments, you're doing the right thing. And so figuring out how you do that in somehow in your living is like, that's like, that's the goal, right? And there are many paths to getting there. And that's like, that's been my career passion and my career goal is just to keep finding those moments of flow. Shanna, thanks so much for joining the show. This was such a great conversation. And you know, I'm wishing you tons of success with Modsy. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. Okay, that was the conversation with Shanna Tellerman, the founder and CEO of Modsy. Shanna, thank you so much for being so open and honest and sharing so many of the learnings that you've had along your path. And for you all listening, I'm really excited for you to take some of those insights and apply them to your next creative endeavor or the business you're working on now. I am actually in the middle of trying Modsy uh, for the entryway to my home. So uh, maybe I'll post some pictures of the before and after. And so far, using Modsy has been really easy and fun. And uh, you can learn more about Modsy and check them out at modsy.com. It's M-O-D-S-Y.com. Thanks to all our listeners out there. I love hearing from you guys. Follow us on Twitter at making underscore ways or Instagram at making.ways. You can go to makingways.co and each week with every new episode, I share an original illustration that I've done and an article and you can check out show notes and more at makingways.co. Thanks to our sponsor, General Assembly. Check out ga.co. And if you find a class or a workshop that appeals to you, you can use the offer code MAKINGWAYS at checkout and get 15% off. Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. Our intro music is by The Sandworms, and we've also got some music by Jim Heffernan in the mix, too. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.